Welcome to a podcast for the Lancet Neurology, so accompany our July 2020 issue. I'm Gavin Cleaver. I'm joined today by Professor Bastian Bloom, Medical Director and Consultant Neurologist at the Department of Neurology, Bradford University Medical Centre in Nijmegen in the Netherlands. And we're going to talk about a patient's perspective on neurology care. Professor Bloom, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. So in your personal view, you review the challenges of current neurology care from a patient's perspective. And you talk a little bit about evidence-based solutions that can be combined with a model of integrated care. Tell us a little bit more about what you mean by integrated care in this case. I think what most physicians, other clinicians, and also patients experience every day is that care is very fragmented. I think most of us are doing a fairly good job of uh, delivering care within the realms of our own specialty. So a neurologist in a hospital, a GP in a home-based practice, physiotherapist in his or her own practice, but there is no connection between them. So patients tend to get lost in what I call the jungle of healthcare. Uh, There is poor collaboration across the walls of the institutions where we tend to work. And this poor collaboration and fragmentation of care leads to poorer outcomes, less good health, uh, and obviously to greater cost for society. So why is a change particularly needed to current healthcare systems? I think a change in care is urgently needed for a variety of reasons. We're faced with an aging population, so more people will grow old and there will be fewer younger people to look after a growing number of chronically affected patients. It's maybe good to mention here explicitly that Parkinson's disease, which is the disease that we use as a model in our viewpoint in the Lancet Neurology, is the fastest growing neurological condition on the planet. Um, This is actually a survey published in the Lancet called the Global Survey of Diseases. Um, If you consider aging, many diseases will become more prevalent. But if you correct for aging, Alzheimer's remains more or less stable. Stroke declines because we are now better able to prevent strokes. But the one condition that really stuck out was Parkinson's disease, which is uh, growing fast. It's exploding in China. We don't think that this is a new gene, but this is environmental factors that trigger this fast growth in new patients with Parkinson's disease. Environmental issues such as pesticides, uh, trichloroethylene, which is a solvent, and other toxic chemicals. So the reality is there is a growing number of chronic neurological patients. Parkinson's is a prime example. These patients deserve better care. They lead to have a poor health and they lead to exploding costs for society. So we need to improve our models of care, first and foremost, to lead to a better health, but secondarily to keep healthcare affordable for our future generations. Yes, so you talk about the model, of course, in relation to Parkinson's disease. Why is it particularly relevant to that disease? But also, can it be applied more broadly? Absolutely. I think what we emphasize in the paper is actually a separate panel highlighting why we think Parkinson's is a good model disease. Obviously, the world doesn't start, nor does it end with Parkinson's, but it's a wonderful model disease to experiment or to toy with new models of care for a variety of reasons. A, as I mentioned before, it's a very common and fast-growing disease. Second, it encompasses both motor and non-motor features. So anything we learn in Parkinson's could be applied to other motor disorders, uh, such as stroke or spinal cord lesions, but it can also translate to other mental conditions, such as Alzheimer's or psychiatric conditions like depression. And thirdly, it is a very complex disease 
that involves over 30 professional disciplines that can potentially be involved. That's not to say they should all be involved and certainly not at the same time, but it involves a wide range of different professional disciplines working in all different echelons of care, primary care in the community, regional hospitals, and university-based medical centers. Um, and if you can prove that you can ameliorate care for people with Parkinson's, the lessons learned can easily be translated, obviously with modifications, to a wide range of other chronic neurological conditions. So a lot of the points you made uh, are particularly relevant, of course, during the current COVID-19 pandemic. Do you think, or at least hope, I suppose, that the pandemic will be a catalyst for change? Yes, we published a separate paper in JAMA Neurology with two authors who are also author on the, um, on the paper here, Professor Ray Dorsey and Professor Michael Oaken, how indeed the COVID crisis works as a catalyst for the necessary transformations in care. Obviously, this crisis is something we've never wanted or asked for, and we hope it's over soon. At the same time, a lot of the proposals we make in our Lancet Neurology paper are actually brought forward now in an accelerated way because of the crisis. For example, we keep thinking that we have to bring our patients to the hospital in order to see them. And that is, I think, a, a misconception in many cases. Obviously, you need to see a patient in person the first time to establish a diagnosis, also to build up a, an intimate relationship with your patient. But once that intimacy is there, once the diagnosis has been made, a lot of the chronic follow-ups can be done remotely. We now ask patients with Parkinson's who have poor driving abilities to drive long distances to often urban-based hospitals to sit in waiting rooms for a long period of time to then see their physician for maybe 10 or 15 minutes where they produce a very biased perspective of what they are experiencing at home. James Parkinson himself in 1817 described the phenomenon of kinesia paradoxa, the striking and remarkable ability of patients to, remove, to move well under periods of stress and a visit to the hospital is a stressful event. So to everybody's frustration, the patient, the spouse, the clinician, patients do remarkably well in the hospital only to freeze on the way back to the car in the parking lot. So we think that telemedicine is one component of integrated care that we propose in the Lancet Neurology, whether this be video conferencing, telephone consultations, or actual visits into the patient's home as a service to patients to get a more reliable impression of their functioning at home. And again, the, the, the crisis, because patients are no longer allowed to come to the hospital, has now taught us the merits and also the limitations of telemedicine. I think we've come to see that even elderly patients can and are willing to use telemedicine. I think a lot of the physicians have seen the merits. It's not panacea for healthcare. We still need in-person visits for spe specific questions. Patients still need to come to the hospital for complex interventions. But in established diagnoses, it is a service to many of our patients to be able to deliver care remotely through telemedicine. Yes, I do think it's interesting how the current pandemic has brought forward a lot of aspects of telemedicine that we were kind of uh, waiting on for, for years, it felt like. So just finally then, uh, what are the current challenges to this model? And, and how could these challenges be overcome in the future, do you think? Well, there's a number of challenges. Um, 
I think the greatest challenge is changing behavior. I think what we propose in our paper is that healthcare should change from being reactive to becoming proactive. What we tend to do in healthcare is wait for a fire to arise and then to try and kill it. But for example, if you take bladder infections as an example, if a bladder infection derails and a Parkinson patient becomes psychotic, they need to be admitted to the hospital where they typically stay for days up to weeks, which is extremely costly. If you now have a personal care manager who proactively asks for early warning signs of a bladder infection and then treats it accordingly, you can prevent these costly admissions. And by preventing these costly admissions, you can then pay the salary of these nurses. The problem is healthcare is completely focused on funding physicians to kill these fires. So if this model that we propose in the Lancet Neurology would be widely implemented and is successful, the hospitals would deprive themselves from their clients because now you no longer bring patients to the hospital, but you bring knowledge to the patient's homes. So reimbursement is one. A change in attitude is two, if we're talking about challenges, becoming proactive instead of reactive. It may require some adaptation on the side of the patients who still tend to see their neurologist as the great leader in healthcare. But I think a lot of the care should be done by the nurses. So our model is a nurse-led model of care, where not the physician, but the nurse is the primary access point. And of course, the physicians and the nurses need to get used to that new way of working. But end of the day, we are piloting this new model in a healthcare concept in Nijmegen, the eastern part of the Netherlands. And a lot of people, once they introduce this model of care, are very happy with this. It puts patients in their strength. They are now engaged partners in care instead of the objects of our good intentions. The nurses are happy because they are now in a much more active role. The neurologists are actually very happy because instead of seeing chronic patients for small problems, they now are asked to see complex patients for complex pharmacological issues, advanced therapies such as deep brain surgery or complex genetics. So they also like the model. But the change in behavior and the accompanying change in reimbursement will be challenges that need to be tackled before this new model can be widely deployed. Well, you can read Professor Bloom's viewpoint uh, on now, online now at the Lancet Neurology. Uh, Professor Bloom, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome.